When you run an online business, your marketing metrics will tell you what in your business is profitable and where you're throwing money away. Yikes. That's pretty important, right? Luckily, I've put together the Ultimate Marketing Metrics Checklist, which is a free resource that will guide you through tracking and analyzing the most crucial metrics for your business. And let me tell you, I'm going to keep it simple but effective. From evergreen data and revenue generation to podcast metrics and social media growth, this cheat sheet will cover it all. It's the exact one my team and I use to track our metrics on a weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annual basis. Let me be honest here. This wasn't an overnight process win for me. It took me 10 years to build this comprehensive list and get it just right. But you, my friend, can start using it today, tailoring it to suit your business-specific needs, but not having to start from scratch like I did. Whether you're a seasoned marketer or just getting started, this cheat sheet will help you make informed decisions as you grow your business and empower you to move forward confidently. So go to amyporterfield.com forward slash metrics to get your hands on the ultimate marketing metrics cheat sheet now. That's amyporterfield.com forward slash metrics. You're listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast, episode number 121. Welcome to the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast. Business advice so easy, you'll feel like you're cheating. And now your host, Amy Porterfield. Welcome back to another episode of the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Porterfield. And as always, I love that you're here. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Now, I need you to take a deep breath. Come on, do it for me. Because here's the reason. Today, we are talking about personal finances. I know, I know, it's a little bit of a sticky topic. It's not the sexiest topic I could talk about. And it's not so much fun when you're kind of struggling to make money in your business, which some of you can relate to right now. So the reason why we're talking about personal finances is because in order for you to grow your business, you need to make sure that you have a healthy personal finance experience, meaning you're constantly looking at your finances. You're looking to save, you're looking to grow your finances and you have everything in order that definitely will affect what you do in your business. And you know, I want nothing more for you than for you to go off on your own and create a business and a life that you absolutely love. And I want you to make your side passion, if that's where you're at right now, your real big gig, like the real thing. So in order to do that, we've got to look at our personal finances, but I want to give you a little bit of a secret. And that is, and this is something that I actually haven't talked about publicly a lot And the truth is I really struggled with my personal finances for a while, but especially when I first started my own online business, I have said publicly that I didn't have a big savings when I quit corporate, which is over $80,000 a year. And then went into my own thing, which was nowhere close to that. And so I had to do a bunch of consulting and I became this ultimate hustler because I didn't have any money in the savings. I didn't have any cushion. And we actually got into debt my first two years of business. 
and I'm not proud of it, but it definitely did happen. Hobie was trying to become a firefighter at the time. So it was only my income. And until I kind of got everything working, that's when I really became obsessed with webinars and selling my online courses online until that started to click. And I learned what I needed to do. We were really struggling. Now that's when I wish I would have paid more attention to my personal finances, meaning I wish I would have educated myself more, found somebody I trusted, learned from them, because what you're going to find out in this special interview, and I'll tell you about our guest in a moment, but what you're going to find out is if you can flex the muscle of becoming more responsible with your personal finances when money's tight, when you hardly have anything, those habits really are solidified when you have a lot of money and things are going really good and you get to make bigger, better decisions, you get to be a little riskier with your business decisions, all that good stuff. I wish that I wasn't learning the stuff now that my finances are a whole lot better than they were back then. So if you are in a place that the money's not necessarily rolling in just yet, if you're struggling, if you're in debt, learn these things now because they're going to be amazingly useful now in the middle of the mess, when you're kind of getting things situated and when you come out the other side and things are going really well with your finances, you'll be a smarter investor, a smarter saver, a smarter spender, all that good stuff. So trust me on it because I made a mistake here and I like to share with you my mistakes as well. So I wanted to share that with you right now. Now, our special guest, she's fantastic. I got to watch her speak on stage at an event I've been speaking at a few times this year called the Business Boutique. I'll be there in Nashville in November for my final speaking gig for the Business Boutique. Absolutely awesome event for women that are wanting to grow their businesses. And I got to watch Rachel Cruz on stage and I fell in love with her. She is such an amazing speaker. And she speaks from the heart. And of course, that's what we all love, right? So Rachel recently wrote a book. It's called Love Your Life, Not Theirs, Seven Money Habits for Living the Life You Want. And she speaks about it from stage. And when I heard her speak, I thought, oh gosh, I need to share this girl with everybody I know because I love the way she approaches money. Now, Rachel, even though she doesn't need this kind of introduction because she has great success on her own, but I will share with you that her father is Dave Ramsey. And I share with you that because many of you are huge fans of Mr. Ramsey. So Rachel is his daughter. Pretty cool connection, right? So she's definitely learned from the best of the best when we're talking money. Now, I wanted to bring her on because even though she goes over these seven money habits in her brand new book, I wanted to dive into three of them. And so I'm going to have her dive deep into three of the money habits and really pay attention to how you can relate it to your personal finances, but also you'll see some correlation with your business experiences and business finances as well. So I hope you do see that alignment there. So I won't make you wait any longer. Let's go ahead and bring her on. Rachel, thanks for being here with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Amy, thanks for having me on. It's so fun to get to talk to you. We spent so much time at the business boutiques the past couple of months. So I love that I get to be here on your podcast. Me too. It's so great to hear you. And I absolutely loved watching you on stage. And I thought I've got to have her on my show because my audience will find this so incredibly valuable. I always say what's personal is business. What's business is personal. It gets a little muddled together when you're building an online business. So talking yeah. about money is so important 
across the board. Now, I love you, it. okay, good. I'm so glad you're on board here because you've got these seven money habits, but I want to just drill down into three that really spoke to me. And I feel like they're going to speak to my audience as well. Let's get to it. Are you ready? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So the first one is quit the comparisons. And I chose this one because I am a comparison girl. I mean, all the time. Now I'm very aware of it now, which means I can kind of stop it now. But in the beginning, when I was building my business, holy cow, it was out of control. And you're making a direct correlation with comparing and even getting into debt. So talk to me about the comparison thing and where social media fits into that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this idea of comparisons is such a battle. I feel like so many of us fight on a daily basis. And so what we have to realize is, especially when it comes to social media and we're comparing our lives to what we're seeing on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, we just have to be grownups and just really realize what we're seeing is not the entire picture. You know, if you're scrolling through Facebook and you see your friend just remodeled her kitchen and she got granite countertops and like the great new light fixture and you're like, oh my gosh, it's so great. It's so nice. I I need new appliances, you know, that whole feeling. But what you don't see is possibly the second mortgage that was taken out on that house to redo that kitchen. And now that extra payment is a stress on their marriage. They're fighting there within the house. And so What's so hard, again, is that what you're seeing is everyone's best foot forward for the most part. You know, social media, you show the vacations and the new car and the house, and that's what you see. And so you just have to realize, statistically speaking, a lot of people don't have the cash to go do what they're doing. And they're really portraying a life that they really can't afford. And it's not the case for everyone, but for some people. And so what you have to watch, number one is that you stay content in your life. And so that's what my new book, I love the title of it, Love Your Life not theirs. And it's key. So as you're going through social media, you know, you can be excited for someone, you can be happy for someone, but if you start to feel that comparison creep in, just know that comparison usually leads to discontentment. And when you're discontent in your life, that means that sometimes you're going to end up spending a lot of money to keep up a lifestyle that you think everyone else is living, but you're missing out on. And that spending can get to the point that you're spending money you don't have. And so you're charging credit cards, you're getting a car loan, again, to keep up this lifestyle that you feel like everyone else is living because that's the that's what you're seeing on social media. And so it's just really important just to realize, you know, the comparisons are real. I do it almost on a daily basis. I find myself <laughs> being guilty of this. But just to, just to put yourself back in perspective and say, you know what, again, mathematically, statistically speaking, there could be a lot of payments behind these pictures. And on top of that, I have a great life. And so that's really what I want for people. And and I think with the side business that what you talk about specifically, it's so easy to compare your business with other people. You're like, oh, look how well she's done. You know, she started years after me and I feel like she's doing so great. And like, and that comparison can creep in so easily. And so just to watch out and be on guard for that. I am such a testament that you don't have any idea what someone's business looks like on the back end. So you compare the back end of your business to somebody's front end of their business. And I am the first to say that looks very, very different. (laughs) Right. So you have to be so careful of that. But I also know that you have a really cool kind of exercise you do on a daily basis to kind of ground you to help you with that comparison game, or at least help you get away from it. Yeah, I do. It's one thing that I do. Again, just like you said, I feel like it kind of keeps me out of the game for the most part, which is a very great place to be when, when that happens. But I found that gratitude is key. 
And when you are grateful for what you have and your heart is filled with gratitude, there is no room for comparisons and discontentment. And so I I have to tactically play this out because comparisons and contentment, they're such heart issues. It's hard to put you know numbers and facts with them all the time. So for me, I have a running gratitude list on my phone. And so on the notes icon on my iPhone, I click it and I have this running list of two things that I write every day, two things I'm grateful for. And I just build on this gratitude list. And so for me, when I find myself you know, looking at Instagram of the beautiful fashion blogger in Paris. And I'm like, oh, look at all the great stuff she gets to do. She has such an exciting life. And I find myself just becoming discontent with mine. I'm able to go to that list and just see all the things I'm grateful for. It's amazing that gratitude can help you really in this battle of comparisons. And I believe defeat the enemy of comparison when you're just grateful for what you have. So true. One other thing I learned from you is that you can also kind of flip it and cheer each other on. And I do this in my business. So I loved when you said that, because when I see somebody on social media, especially Instagram, and let's say they're on this amazing vacation. Well, typically it's someone that I know in my business world. And I think I want that. And so I use it for inspiration and fuel versus like, poor me, I can't have that. And when I work with Tony Robbins, he encouraged us to surround ourselves with peers that we want to be like, we want to aspire to, we want them to inspire us. And so I kind of flipped the script on it. I don't do it always perfectly, but it does help me to think like, oh, I want that. This person has it. That means I can have it too if I work hard. That's exactly right. And, and I love that idea of just being happy for people. And it's a pretty simplistic principle, but it can be very hard to do. And in our world that I think we're filled with a lot of jealousy and a lot of envy, when you can be that friend that other friends can come to because something great has happened, I mean, it's such a great place to be. And I selfishly look at my own life and I'm like, you know, I have those girlfriends that I could name off the top of my head that are always excited for me. They're the ones that if something fun happens at work, I don't feel like I have to shy away from it. They celebrate with me. Yes. And, and I love that. And that, that makes a friendship so rich and so deep and I feel so known. And so I want to do that for people. I want to be that friend that I can be excited for when something happens and there's not this jealousy or envy. So if it is buying a new car or getting a job promotion, whatever it is, or in your listener's case, you know, they hit a revenue goal that they've been wanting to hit for some time now. I want to be that friend people can come to that I can be excited for. And so when you do cheer each other on, it's amazing how that limits the comparisons. Yes, definitely behind you on that one. So I think the moral of the story here with quit the comparisons is that it truly can lead to irresponsible spending, getting in debt, And when you're not content with your life, you definitely spend money on things that you don't need and want, but you're trying to catch up with somebody else's life and you have no idea what it looks like on the inside. So just be careful of those comparisons. Okay. So let's move on to number two, make a plan for money. Now I am a natural planner. So when I saw this one, I was like, ding, ding, ding. This is one that we (laughs) definitely have to talk about. So talk to me about making a plan for money. Yeah, I think this is one of the mistakes people make when it comes to their money is they're just not intentional. They work hard. And again, your listeners are starting their businesses. They're you know making some money. and But then you look up in six months and it's like, where did all my money go? Like, I yes. feel like I've, I've spent it all. It's disappeared. Oh, I've so done that. Yes. And what happens, and it can be a scary place to be when people do that for decades and decades and decades. And so I want you to be in the habit of making a plan of where you're going to spend your money, what you're going to do with your money. And that plan boldly simply means a budget. Uh, And that has such a negative connotation with it sometimes. 
Yes. Oh, I know. And I am a natural free spirit. I am a natural spender. So the word budget to me, oh, for so long, I just cringed. And I was like, no, because a budget always sounded boring. Yes. I feel like every time someone said the word budget, it was always in the context of like, oh, well, we can't go on vacation. We're on a budget right. or we can't go shopping. I'm, you know, I'm on a budget. And I'm like, oh, people on budgets are not fun people. <laughs> like you can't live a fun life and be on a budget. But I've realized, you know, after growing up and saying, okay, you know what? No, I need to make a plan for my money. Cause in my head, I knew this, I knew I should budget and I knew that was key to winning with money. So finally implementing it and making it a part of my life and my habits when it comes to money, I've really flipped the script. I love that. I love that you said that with comparisons. It's a great line. I flipped the script. And, and to me now I'm realizing that making a budget and having a budget, it doesn't limit your freedom. A budget gives you freedom. A budget gives you permission to spend. Because in your budget and your personal life and in your household budget, you know, you have line items for food, clothing, house, whatever it is, you, you plan out, this is what I'm going to spend in each of these categories. And so you don't feel guilty if you do want to go buy a cute dress at the mall or you do want to do an upgrade, you know, in your house or whatever it is because you've planned for it and it's there. Because the worst part about money is when you're standing at the checkout line at the grocery store and you're thinking, oh. Should this money go towards the light bill or should this money be going to cable or like, I don't know if I, if this money's okay that I'm spending here, is it too much? Is it too little? You know, it's just this anxiety and stress of just having no idea where your money's going. So if you can be on a plan and tell your money what to do and be on that budget, be on a budget for your work, have a work budget for your business and also have a personal budget for your income that you bring into your household. And it's just, yeah, it's key to winning with money and life. I mean, anyone that is successful in life, they are intentional. They happen to their life. And so of your life just happening to them. And the same is true with your money. You know, I've never loved the word budget either. And over the last six months, we actually have started to put our money into categories. Now you talk about put every dollar into a category. I'm not that good yet, but we do. <laughs> we did start. I'm a baby step kind of girl. So we did start with these kind of broad categories, but our money is now broken up into each of the categories. And I know I've got this money here that I can spend, let's say on the fun stuff. Now, when yeah. I spend it on the fun stuff, I am no longer feeling guilty. Like I shouldn't be spending this. I like totally embrace it. I enjoy yeah. it more now. So I did not believe you until I actually started to do it. And I thought, oh, now I get what she's saying. Yes. Yeah. It's amazing. It really is. It gives you this sudden freedom of like, okay, I can actually enjoy and have fun with my money. I mean, yes. it's, it's an amazing concept. And you, again, you work hard for the money you earn. And so putting it to good use is what's key. And so, yeah, being able to have fun. I know it was funny. My husband, Winston and I just actually, I think this was a few days ago. He had bought something and I was like, oh, wow, off Amazon. And I was like, gosh, that was a lot. And he was like, yeah, but it's in, it's in my, my budget category under Winston. Cause like we, we get a certain <laughs> amount of money each month. And I was like, oh, perfect. So yeah, he's actually the saver. So it encourages him to actually have a life and enjoy the yes. money. Yes. I bust the budget more because I'm the spender, but <laughs> I love uh, that you're we, the spender and you wrote the book. I think that makes yes, me like I you know, even right. more. <laughs> now you have this whole thing with, and I think this goes along with what you've been talking about, but the whole thing of give, save, spend system. Are those the categories or is that kind of a little bit different? No, I mean, those are the broad categories you could say when it comes to your money, whether you're teaching kids about money, I mean, a five-year-old can understand this and a 55-year-old. It's just the order of priority. You always want to be a giver. And this is one thing a lot of people miss when it comes to their money. And so that's why I say your giving needs to be at the top of your budget. It needs to be a priority because when you give, not only do I believe it's one of the most fulfilling things you can do with your life to help and serve other people, but it turns you selfless instead of selfish. 
And we live in a world where everything's about me, 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 me. And when you can flip the script, I'm going to say it again. I like I it. I like it. it. Flip that script and say, you know what? I'm going to put a priority towards other people. It's incredible that selflessness will just flood out of you. And selfless people are very attractive people. And so when that becomes a part of your character, it's amazing the things that you get to do and how your life has changed when you give. And I've just found that money is like a magnifying glass. It makes you more of what you already are. And so a lot of people say, well, Rachel, I just don't have a lot of money to give. But the thing is to start where you are, because as you become successful, people think, well, the more money I have, the easier it'll be for me to give. Well, that's not always true because you haven't been building that part of your character. And so start small. John D. Rockefeller said, I never would have been able to tithe the first million dollars I ever made. If I didn't tithe my first salary, which was $1.50 a week. Oh, that's so good. I love that. Yes. So start where you are. And even if it's a little bit, you can give a little, but start there. So giving, I think, is a huge first priority. So you give, then you save. And so whether you're saving up for an emergency fund or you're saving up for a down payment on a house, whatever it is, put your priorities to be saving and then spend your money. And so just having that order of priority is huge. And as an adult, that's kind of the basics I use, especially with parents when they're teaching their kids about money. So there are things as adults that you want to make sure you have food taken care of. You know, your house payment is paid. There are things definitely that are in priority as well. But if you can hit all three areas every single month, it's incredible. The muscle, if you will, that is built when it comes to your money. Totally agree. Now, I love that you got into saving because I want to talk about that. That's the third one I chose out of your seven money habits. Save like you mean it. Because you talk about saving for major life events, wedding, retirement, buying a home. For us, it might even be saving to invest back into our business. But what are the main steps behind saving like you mean it? Well, the first is just to, you have to prioritize. Everyone says, well, you should, you know, we all know we should save money, but it's hard to do. And so prioritize that. So back to the budget, our plan, give, save, and then pay your bills. So saving needs to be up there. Because again, a lot of people end up putting their money on paper and they're like, okay, well, I've spent everything. So I don't have any money to save and to give. I always tell them that's because your budget is upside down. So it has to be a priority. It needs to be towards the top. And so that really makes it this idea of save like you mean it. We all know we should save it, but writing it down and actually doing it, helping prioritize that. And also I would say to be patient because as you're saving for things, it may take a little while. The avenue of debt is so easy to, to access and, and to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to just charge it on the credit card or we're going to just get a car loan, but just be patient. So savings may take a little bit longer, but that delayed gratification will definitely do you better in the future than if you just fall into instant gratification and go into debt for something. Oh, 100%. Now you have this concept of the emergency fund. What is it? Why is it important? How do you get there? Yes. Well, I always tell people the very first thing you should do when you're looking at your money is to get a $1,000 emergency fund. And this is really your pad between you and life. And so having that there is key because what I want you to do next is get out of debt completely except for your house. So paying everything off, putting any kind of money you have towards paying off a debt. And then the third step is to build that starter emergency fund up to three to six months of expenses. And this is really your fully funded rainy day fund. So if something happens, you know, medically or car issues, whatever it is, that huge emergency there is there for you. Because so many people, Amy, depend on their credit card for emergencies. And Visa knows this, and they're very good at getting themselves in your hands because if something happens, it's like, oh, okay, well, Visa catches my slack. 
And I don't want that to be the case. I want your money to catch your slack. I want your money to be there as that pad between you and life. And so having that fully funded emergency fund, is it's an incredible place to be when you're there and you have no payments. Your stress level, the way you, you can even look at your business, your creativity, so much is released when your money stress has gone down because you have no payments and a ton of savings for an emergency fund. Completely agree. It took us a long time to get our emergency fund up to six months, but I'll say this. I'm a little bit weird in my business where I've had amazing success, but I always think like, what if though something happens and it goes away? And so because I'm a worrier by nature, having that emergency fund, my husband always says, because he knows he needs something to kind of ease my mind. He always says, but we've got the emergency fund. Like he always goes back to it. Like we are covered, Amy, if something goes wrong. And so I feel like you just hit on it where you mentioned the word being more creative. And I was going to ask you, how do you think this all plays into our businesses? But I'm guessing you would agree that when you have a little bit more ease and security in your money and you know where it's going, you can enjoy when you are spending it. It probably frees you up to be a lot less stressed and more creative in your business. You'd agree, right? Oh, absolutely. And I think it allows you to take some more calculated risk because when you have that Again, that emergency fund in place, it's like, okay, well, you know what? We've saved up this. Let's just try this out. Like, we think it's going to work. But if you have no money in place and, and if that idea fails and you have zero money, you know, it empties out your bank account, that's a very scary, stressful place to be. And so I think what I have found with money is that for, for women, for the most part, money is security. And not in a bad, unhealthy way, but there is the sense of security. Your story with your husband is great because we actually have an emergency fund for the emergency fund. Okay, so I, I need that. Like, we have this, <laughs> and then we have this one just in case anything happens. Yeah, because there is this sense of security for women, and that's not a bad thing. You know, I think it's just this place that we rest when we have that security that men don't have. And so I think it's important for when that ease happens. I, I think, yeah, you're able to to be creative, take calculated risk. You're able to do so much more when you know your your bases are complete and counted for. So very true. Rachel, this is a perfect place to wrap up because I want to encourage all of you that are listening to get your hands on this new book, Love Your Life, Not Theirs, Seven Money Habits for Living the Life You Want. I'll make sure to link to it in the show notes. You can get all the details. And believe me, this is one book that you definitely want to use in your personal life and your business life. So Rachel, thank you so very much for being with us. I know that you've just made an impact in many people's lives and it's going to go on and on. I mean, when you talk about money, it's a scary thing. I feel like you make it easier. So thank you so very much. Oh, thanks, Amy. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. So there you have it. I hope you found some gems in this interview. And just remember, I'm the first person that will admit that the money conversation is tough and it's a whole lot tougher when you don't have any at the moment or when you're in debt or you're struggling to get your business going. The last thing you even want to do is look at your bank account. I mean, let's be honest. These days in my business, looking at my bank account is a whole lot more fun than it was just a few years ago. And again, I want to reiterate what I said at the very beginning that I was so scared of money. I felt so much shame for being in debt in those first two years of business. And I was so scared of not being able to make this all work that I just ignored the personal finance conversation. Like I had earmuffs on like, la, 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 don't talk to me about it. And then when my business did start to work and things started to come together, I started to pay closer attention to it. But I know that I would have made smarter decisions back then. 
I would have had less stress if I just would have tackled it and kind of less heartache. That whole idea of comparison and trying to keep up with everybody else, that really does affect your finances. And I didn't know that at the time. So I'm sure I was trying to keep up with everybody else spending in ways that I shouldn't have. So I would have actually gotten out of debt and out of that fear a whole lot sooner in those early years of business if I just would have tackled it straight on. Isn't that like everything in business? I think it was the last podcast or the one before that I told you about how I had put off the paperwork with my payroll forever because I was scared of it and didn't want to even think about it. And then I tackled it and I'm like, whoa, that was a whole lot easier than I thought. This is the same thing. So I at least hope that you'll check out Rachel's book, find out what she's all about, and just start to explore this world because there is a direct correlation, as I mentioned between your personal finances and the decisions you make in your business, the success you have in your business and the rapid growth or lack thereof. So I want you to really see that correlation and then do something about it. So again, Rachel's book is love your life, not theirs seven money habits for living the life you want. You can go check it out. I definitely recommend you do so go to amyporterfield.com forward slash one, two, one. So amyporterfield.com forward slash one, two, one show notes are there and link to go check out everything. Rachel Cruz. I can't wait for you to get your hands on it. Thanks for being here. And I will see you again next week. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast at www.amyporterfield.com. 